In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, in the coming days, in these days, we are preparing for your coming, O Lord, in this holy season of Advent. And in our prayer today, perhaps we can pray about the the longing of God, the desire of God, which has many meanings. And the first clue of the longing of God or to to this desire of God, perhaps the first clue is simply to consider prayer, what we're trying to do now, trying to pray. There's a lovely text in the Catechism of the Catholic Church about prayer that may help us to enter into this period of meditation now. And the text from the Catechism, uh, I suppose, comes from meditating on the meeting between you, Lord, and the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, drawing out the consequences of that meeting. The Catechism says, If you knew the gift of God, the wonder of prayer is revealed beside the well where we come seeking water. There, Christ comes to meet every human being. It is he who first seeks us and asks us for a drink. Jesus thirsts. His asking arises from the depths of God's desire for us. Whether we realise it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for him. It's an amazing statement. And we can ask the Holy Spirit as we enter into this period of mental prayer to help us to appropriate it, to assimilate this statement, this reality. Whether we realise it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for him. We think of you, Lord Jesus. We contemplate you on the cross as you say, I thirst, which of course has an immediate physiological meaning for a crucified man who is very dehydrated. But of course, also has a much deeper spiritual meaning of of God's love for us, of God's thirsting for us. In prayer, what I'm trying to do now, Lord, and trying to pray with all my heart, with all my soul, in prayer, I'm thirsting for you. But the amazing thing is that you, before I ever thirst for you, you are thirsting for me. When we think of the... uh, 
expressions of desire for God, of longing for God in Scripture. My soul is thirsting for uh, the God, the God of my life. When shall I enter and see the face of God? Or like a deer longing for running water, so my soul is thirsting for you, my God. These images that we find in the Psalms and different parts of Scripture. But to think, Lord, that you're thirsting for me, that you're longing for me, and that prayer is born, firstly, not from my effort or my action, my my desire to pray. No, prayer is born from your desire for me because you seek me out. So when we pray in Advent about the longing of God, first of all, it's it's God's longing for us. Secondly, it's our longing for him. The longing of God. It seems like such an appropriate theme as we enter into the final week of preparation for Christmas. The uh, liturgy from the 17th of December onwards picks up the pace. It's the culmination of the Advent season. Uh, We notice several things that are happening, so to speak, in the liturgy. Firstly, the increased presence of Our Lady in the liturgy, in the scripture readings, in the texts, in the prayers. On the fourth Sunday of Advent, for example, it's all about Our Lady indirectly because the whole liturgy of the Word is focused on the Emmanuel, on the God who is with us, but this God who was born of a virgin. It's true that as Advent advances, it becomes more explicitly Marian, more explicitly focused on Our Lady. I I suppose that happens when a woman is carrying a child in her womb. As the pregnancy advances, as the birth approaches, her attention focuses more and more on the child. I, I guess that's the case, and it seems natural. And in a certain sense, that's what the church is doing now, carrying the child Jesus in her womb, in the womb of the Virgin Mary. The church focuses on Jesus through the mother, through Our Lady. What a beautiful way to prepare for Christmas, to be in the company of Mary, to prepare with Our Lady. But Lord, we'd like to focus on this this reality, because for us it's very consoling, isn't it, that that you're actually the one who, first of all, is thirsting for us. We see this all the time, actually, in Scripture. The shepherd who abandons the 99 sheep to go out and look for the one lost sheep. Lord Jesus, I know I am the lost sheep. I'm the needy one. I am the one for whom you abandoned the 99. I know that. Or the woman who searches high and low in her house for the missing drachma, for the missing coin. You and I, we are that missing coin. And the woman, if you, might, if you say, if you like, kind of personifies God who comes out in Christ to find us who are missing, to save us. You, Lord Jesus, you are the good Samaritan. You go out of your way. You look for us. You don't pass us by. You come over to us, even though we're in a very bad way. And precisely because we're in a very bad way, you come looking for us. 
And not only that, you heal us, you pay for us. Not with money, not with coins, as the Good Samaritan does, but you pay with your very self. By his wounds, we have been healed. By your wounds, Jesus, we have been healed. God comes looking for us. This is something which is distinctive in the Christian faith. We think of that beautiful image that you, Lord Jesus, use to teach us. The merchant who discovers a treasure hidden in the field and sells everything he owns, everything he owns, and he buys that field. Quite naturally, we often think that parable is about us committing ourselves to the kingdom of God, to Christ, to the faith that you, Jesus, actually, you're... <laughs> You are the treasure hidden in the field and we want to sell everything, absolutely everything, to get that treasure. We want to give everything to you and in my prayer right now, Lord, I want to give myself completely to you, lock, stock and barrel once again, even though what I have to offer is, is poor, it's not great, but still, I want you to have it all. You are the treasure in the field for which I want to give everything. But this parable of the treasure hidden in the field and the merchant that sell, who sells everything to obtain it can also refer to us, that you and I are the treasure hidden in the field. You and I are the pearl of great price for which Christ gives up everything. He empties himself, taking the form of a slave and uh, reaches down and sells everything to acquire the field simply because he loves us. God is looking for man and woman. God is looking for the human being. That, that is distinctive in the Christian faith. So right now, even in my prayer, Jesus, I really, with a sincere heart, I am trying to approach you. I am trying to dialogue intimately with you. And I always find that you, in fact, are there before me. You precede me in my prayer or as St John the Apostle says in his epistle God loved us first or, or, or elsewhere St John says in this is love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the expiation of our sins love is defined not by what I do love is defined by who God is and what God does God looking for us, God seeking us out. We know that um, around the year 2000, which of course was the great jubilee, an enormous jubilee, the uh, Holy Father at that time, the great uh, St. John Paul II, was really keen to prepare the Church and all humanity for such a huge celebration, for such a huge event, the the second millennium uh, of Christianity, uh, the second millennium since our Lord was born. And uh, in order to prepare the church as best as possible, he, he wrote many documents and organized many synods and, and did many, many things. In fact, his whole pontificate from the very beginning was focused on bringing the church over the threshold of the third millennium. But there's one particular document um, called Tertio Millennio Adveniente, with the coming of the third millennium, which uh, was to prepare the church for, for, the new, uh, for the Jubilee. 
And there, Pope John Paul wrote, In Christ, religion is no longer a blind search for God, but the response of faith to God who reveals himself. In Jesus Christ, God not only speaks to man, but also seeks him out. The incarnation of the Son of God attests that God goes in search of man. Jesus speaks of this search as the finding of a lost sheep. It is a search which begins in the heart of God and culminates in the incarnation of the Word. If God goes in search of man, created in his own image and likeness, he does so because he loves him eternally in the Word and wishes to raise him in Christ to the dignity of an adoptive son. God, therefore, goes in search of man, who is his special possession, in a way unlike any other creature. Man is God's possession by virtue of a choice made in love. God seeks man out, moved by his fatherly heart. Yes, indeed, in these days, just prior to Christmas, from the 17th of December on, we're focused on the advent of the arrival of God. God who arrives because he longs for us, because he loves us. You know, man is God's possession by virtue of a choice made in love, says John Paul. God seeks man out, moved by his fatherly heart. It's an amazing thing. How much our Lord loves us, how much you love us, Lord Jesus. How you knock on the door of our heart. You don't force yourself in. You're gentle and firm and respectful. We think of those words in the uh, book of Revelation, the book of the Apocalypse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens my door, I shall enter and I shall sit down and eat with him. Jesus who comes, the light of the world. We, we might think of that uh, very famous painting. Jesus, the light of the world, where we see the Lord coming to a door on which there's no handle on the outside, there's only a handle on the inside, it cannot be opened from the outside. And the door is quite overgrown with ivy, it hasn't been opened for quite some time. And Jesus is standing outside holding a, a lantern and he's knocking on the door. And it's up to whoever's inside the other side of that door to open or not. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Well, that's the way our Lord is with us now, this time. Um, being close to us, wanting to enter into our lives. How much God longs for us. We see this in the prodigal son. Maybe the most beautiful of, of our Lord's parables, which is, for all of us, is autobiographical, because we are all that prodigal son. And for all of us, the father of the prodigal son is you, Lord, our most merciful father, Dives in misericordia, or as we have in the um, in the formula of absolution in the sacrament of confession, God, the Father of of mercies, Deus Pater misericordiarum, God the Father of mercies. Well, the son, uh, the prodigal son, thinks he's the one taking the initiative. He thinks he's the one coming home, but in fact, uh, the father is already out waiting for him, looking for him. While he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. That's how God is.
that's how our Lord comes to us in Advent in Advent we think of Zacchaeus Zacchaeus thinks that he's the one taking the initiative all of us we're, we're, we've a bit of Zacchaeus in us we, we want to see Jesus we don't want to stand out we don't want to attract attention to ourselves and yet Lord we do want you we do need you so we, we go up a tree we're all small like Zacchaeus we're small when it comes to to you might say our moral stature and the greatness of God um, and and we, we, we go up the tree and we just want to see you and, and maybe be healed a little bit by your closeness we think we're taking the initiative we think we're Zacchaeus uh, taking, taking the initiative but in fact <laughs> when you arrive in Jericho the first thing you do is you look up the tree and you say Zacchaeus come down I want to eat in your house I want you I love you I long for you I've come for you turns out that our Lord has come to Jericho to meet Zacchaeus, to save Zacchaeus, to love Zacchaeus, because Zacchaeus matters to our Lord, just as you and I matter immensely to our Lord. This thirst of God, such a mystery, such a mystery. So consoling, though. We see you, Jesus, by uh, the well at Sikar, and the woman the Samaritan woman who comes to draw water, the woman with a complicated life, the woman probably has also has suffered a lot because of the complication of her life. Like all of us, we're all a bit complex. We all suffer at times for different reasons. And Jesus, we hear you saying to her, I thirst, I thirst. Give me something to drink. Again, it has a prima facie meaning, you know, the Lord is thirsty. It's been a long day. He's been walking. It's hot but it has a deeper meaning I thirst for you I long for you you give me life in a certain sense great mystery why why Lord why do you thirst for us why do you long for us why do you come out to us in your incarnation and then again in the Eucharist and then again in grace and now then again in prayer like why does our Lord come out to us like that well, there's only one possible explanation. Pure, unadulterated, unconditional love. Lord, this is what I would like to rediscover this Advent. Your love for us. So in the first place in Advent, when we pray about the longing of God, we're, we're thinking about the longing that is in God for us. That God loves us first. Holy Spirit, please give me a deep realisation of this reality. The longing of God also is our longing for God, um, which is expressed with greater urgency and intensity from the 17th of December onwards up to Christmas. For example, in the liturgy of the Mass and also in the liturgy of the Hours in the Breviary, we have the famous O Antiphons, or the Great Advent Antiphons. In the liturgy of the Hours, they come in evening prayer of the Church before the uh, singing or the reciting of the Magnificat. And there are these beautiful prayers. Um, o uh, Rod of Jesse, O Root of Jesse, I should say. All, all these beautiful ways of addressing Christ. O Wisdom Most High. Um, in the Mass, 
since the reform of the Second Vatican Council, those antiphons are contained in the Alleluia verse. So from the 17th of December onwards, there's a treasure in each Alleluia verse, which is one of these O antiphons that begin with the exclamation O. It seems they date from the 6th century in Italy, because they're mentioned by Boethius in his great work, The Consolation of Philosophy. And there's a, a numerous uh, musical settings of the O antiphons. In English, they're kind of paraphrased in the hymn O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That contains the O antiphons, I mean, more or less, not exactly, but more or less. And that, th those O antiphons, like, which are so powerful, they express the, um, the desire of humanity for our Lord. O leader of the house of Israel, giver of the law to Moses on Sinai, come to rescue us with your mighty power. Jesus, I want to make this prayer my own because I really need you. I need you. I need to be rescued. O wisdom of our God most high, guiding creation with power and love, come to teach us the path of knowledge. Jesus, I need you as wisdom. I need true knowledge. I'm kind of half in the dark. I need a redeemer. So the longing of God by man or on the part of the human person is also the great theme of, of the last few days of Advent. And in the second preface of Advent, um, we're given two models of this longing. There the church prays, For all the oracles of the prophets foretold him, the Virgin Mother longed for him with love beyond all telling. John the Baptist sang of his coming and proclaimed his presence when he came. So we have these two models of longing for God, of waiting for God. One is John the Baptist, your cousin Lord, who uh, shared not only in your life, but you could say also in your passion, in your death, through, through martyrdom. John, whose whole life, his whole being, his whole vocation is to point you out, to lead people to you. St. Augustine says that Jesus is the word and John the Baptist is the voice. I mean, John the Baptist says that of himself, doesn't he? That he's the voice crying in the wilderness. In some ways, that's the vocation of all of us, isn't it? To be a voice, a voice which carries the saving word, the word that was made flesh, the word that redeems all mankind and the whole cosmos. What matters is the word, actually, not the voice. John the Baptist is the voice. But you and I also, in our personal apostolate, in our witness to Christ, in our daily life, in our evangelization, um, in just being as best we can with all our limitations, trying to be faithful to Christ, we are the voice. Yes, a very unworthy, a very inadequate, a very... A very poor voice, we might say at times, but it doesn't matter once it lets the word be carried through that voice. And John the Baptist is that voice longing for the presence of the word incarnate. Jesus, I'm also longing for you. I really, I need you. We need, we need God. It's one of the ironies, surely, of, of a secularized uh, society and, and a secularized media also that in a sense, the uh, the shared understanding, as it were, is that God has played out his role, that we don't need salvation, that the church and the sacraments are obsolete and therefore not even worthy of consideration. And yet, 
you know, when we look at any of the headlines or, or we engage with social media or, or just what's going on in the world, the whole world is crying out all the time for redemption, crying out all the time for a saviour. So many disasters, so many difficulties, so many human problems, so many conflicts. Um, we need a saviour. The world needs a saviour. We need that word that John the Baptist um, points out. Jesus, I long for you because I need you. Like a deer that longs for running water, so my soul is thirsting for you, my God. When shall I enter and see the face of God? The other great model of longing for Christ, um, who becomes ever more present actually in the liturgy as we approach Christmas, is Our Lady. It's interesting to note that, that um, in, in the days from the 17th of December onwards, if you look at the Missal, the prayers of the Mass, the Antiphons, and especially the Liturgy of the Word, Mary becomes more and more present. And that makes sense, because she's carrying Jesus, literally. Uh, so we look to the Mother in order to find the Son. And we can say to Mary with longing, with hope, show unto us the blessed fruit of your womb. That's Jesus. That's what we say to your Mother. We say, Mary, show unto us the blessed fruit of your womb. It's lovely to see, actually, what the preface says. Um, the Virgin Mother longed for him with love beyond all telling. Gee, that, that's quite something, isn't it? That love beyond all telling. It's beyond words. It's ineffable. But it is something we can pray about. Like, what was that love of Our Lady like? What was that loving longing of Our Lady like? She longed for him with the love beyond all telling. I'd love Mary to have that desire for God, that longing for God. Maybe as we're doing our prayer now, we might feel, well, actually, I don't know if I long for God at all. I, I feel a bit weak. I feel a bit milk and water. I feel a bit, um, I feel a bit nothing in particular. Or maybe I'm just stressed with the preparations for Christmas and just seeing if I can survive and get as far as Christmas in one piece. You know, we, we can often feel like that just with the frenetic place, uh, pace of, you know, of life and, and everything. And, just even getting the family ready for Christmas, getting ourselves ready for Christmas. Do I long for you at all, Lord? Well, the great thing here is to remember the advice of St. Josemaria, which is so practical and so deep, you know. To want to love is already to love. Querer, querer, ya es querer. To want to love is already to love. I wish, Lord, to receive you with the purity, humility and devotion with which your most holy mother received you. To formulate that desire, it can apply to the Holy Eucharist, to communion, but it can also apply to the coming of the Lord in the Incarnation. I'd like to receive you, Lord, with the love of Mary. That's already a real desire. To want to love is already to love. So yes, Mary, you are a living model, a, a close model of this longing for Jesus. Pope Benedict XVI, in, in one of his homilies, it was on Christmas Eve, 2007 actually, he, uh, he just meditated on a very simple gesture, you know, might say not very amazing, but it's, it's, it's Mary wrapping the child Jesus in swaddling cloths. You know, it might seem like really prosaic and simple and not significant, but Luke does say that, that she wrapped the child in swaddling cloths. And Pope Benedict said, we can imagine the kind of interior preparation 
the kind of love with which Mary approached that hour. The brief phrase, she wrapped him in swaddling cloths, allows us to glimpse something of the holy joy and the silent zeal of that preparation. Maybe in our prayer we can contemplate Our Lady holding the child and wrapping you, Jesus, in in swaddling cloths. Those cloths which she had thought about, which she had prepared and cleaned and, and brought carefully from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And then the ineffable moment come when she comes when she holds Christ in her arms and wraps him in swaddling cloths. This longing of God. Longing of God for us, longing of us for God. And also the longing of so many people around us for God. A real longing, a real thirst. And we couldn't possibly finish our prayer without praying for the apostolate. Praying for for so many people, so many friends of ours, relations who, who perhaps even without fully being aware of it, are looking for God, are looking for God. They're thirsting for God. Um, Lord, help me to bring you to them. Mary, my mother, obtain for me the, the grace of, I suppose, uh, satisfying that longing of people for God. St. Maria says, Jesus is hungry and thirsty for souls. From the cross he cried out, I thirst. Thirsty for us, for our love, for our souls, and for all those souls which we must bring to him by the way of the cross, which is the way to immortality and heavenly glory. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect, my Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.